Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. My name is Bryson. If we've never met, it's really good to have you here. Uh, And I'm just really excited to bring the word tonight. Uh, We have been in this series. uh, Actually, we kicked off a series on Sunday called We Are Family. Was anyone here on Sunday kind of for the kickoff of this month-long family reunion craziness, shenanigans, uh, all of the things that happened this month are are family-oriented, community-oriented, build, you know, uh, building relationships uh, among our church and beyond. And so we have family meals, we have sports, we have uh, all these different activities. And I think when we have a a phrase around everywhere uh, that is, we are family for so many in the room, watching online and beyond, family's a loaded term. Family comes with some baggage and it comes with some things attached to it. Family means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Ideas like family, ideas like community uh, sometimes have really positive memories and sometimes have really negative ones. That there are uh, past triumphs that we remember and past trauma that we remember. That there are uh, great things and difficulties all wrapped into one. And this complex thing that we call family, that we call community, has so much associated with it. Maybe there was a time that you were disappointed by a family member or someone you thought was close. Maybe there's a time where you felt betrayed or rejected by someone who you thought was supposed to be on your side. Uh, whatever community or family looks like for you, we all come into this idea with a different story and a different view. We have uh, in, in Scripture so many pictures of family. And at the same time, though, we have this longing for it. This confusing, uh, this confusing path to get to this moment, uh, but this desire, we have our innate uh, ability, innate desire to know people and to be known. We exist in the most connected generation of human history, yet we're lonelier than ever. You know, in a recent study, three out of five people reported being chronically lonely chronically, ongoing loneliness, perpetual loneliness, ongoing chronic loneliness in existence in three out of five lives here in America. So how could this possibly be that the most connected we've ever been is simultaneously coexisting with the loneliest that we've ever been? I think that it starts to make sense when you see our origin story as a species. The Christian faith is built around or its genesis is found in uh, the opening chapters or verses of the Bible, the creation story, that we were created by a creative God, that our creator uh, had not just a hand, but is the cause for our existence. So we're introduced in the first three verses of the entire Bible, Genesis 1, 1 through 3, to our communal God, the Trinity. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. And God said, 
let there be light. We see in John 1 uh, that the word was made flesh in Jesus Christ. So here we have Father, Spirit, and Son coexisting in the introduction to the entire Bible and the entire world. You have our communal God, and then we have the seven-day creation story. And in the first five days, it seems like it's a bit of a solo mission. You have our creator, God the Father, saying, let there be light, and there was light, and he said it was good. He said, let there be this, and it was good. Let there be that, and it was good. Day one, two, three, four, five, until day six. Because up until that point, God said, and it was. And on day six, something different happens. Because on day six, instead of just God saying this, he said, let us make man in our image. Our communal God creates us as communal people. It's in our, in our DNA that we were created out of community for community. Beyond that, our communal God created us as communal people. And then if you even just continue reading in the creation story, it says God breathed life into Adam and then gives Adam a purpose. And then the first thing he says about humanity is it is not good for a man to be alone. And you can take that and apply it to, sure, it's at, you know, weddings or, you know, sure, it's about, you know, whatever, whatever you apply it, however. But at its core, it's saying a human needs another human to accomplish my purpose on the earth. It is not good for man to be alone. So we see in the first two chapters of the Bible, God's made it clear, our communal God created us with his DNA in his communal image to be in community, that we have these things in us, this desire and need for community, being made in the image of a communal God. We're hardwired for more than just friendship. We're wired for deep and beautiful community. We're wired for deep and beautiful community. And I, I think about this beautiful picture that God paints in the Garden of Eden it says they were naked and they were unashamed. And you can just turn the middle school boy part of your brain off that goes <laughs> naked. But it, it says they were in their most vulnerable state and there was no shame. There was no shame in their most vulnerable state. And that's what we want, right? That's the kind of relationship we want to have with people around us that we can be completely vulnerable and completely loved and completely accepted, that there's no shame, no insecurity, uh, all of these things that so often accompany human relationships. And we can look at something like that and say, that's great, but have no idea how to get there. We can say, man, I want that unconditional, beautiful community that it sounds like God has for us, that he created me for, but there's this gap between my reality and what that sounds like. So we slump back and we keep on scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through the imitation community of curated people who are scrolling through a curated us. That we have this false sense of connectedness and it's all that we know so it's all that we do but there is a better way. God calls us into more than friendship. He calls us into a beautiful community. Let's pray. Jesus, be with us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. 
Help it guide us, help it uh, reorient us, help it direct us to be more like you, to live more like you, to love more like you, and to look more like you, Jesus. And it's in your precious name that we pray, amen. So simultaneously with uh, the We Are Family series on Wednesday night, we're going to do kind of a mini-series called Beautiful Community. We're going to talk tonight about finding and building beautiful community. Next week, we're going to talk about fostering and protecting a beautiful community. And then further, we're going to go into growing and expanding a beautiful community. But before we can talk about a beautiful community, let's talk about how we build a good community. Like, I mean, it's like we can go, whoa, let's, let's go all the way down. It's going to make this beautiful, amazing. But like, let's just start, like, kind of build the basics a little bit because we, we, let's just build, like, a good. Like, if we walk out and you, you say, man, my, be- my, my community might not be beautiful, but at least it's good. Like, let's just take a step in the right direction because I think that we have, like, some clues just in, like, our life how we build a good community. And at its core community is built around having common things. It's just a, like common, you don't have to be like a scholar to see common is like kind of in the word community, common, like things that you share in common. But the way that we tend to build community, uh, whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, you hate Christians, you love Christians, you never heard of Christians, however your worldview exists, there are three main ways that we like to build com- community as humans, and it's through a common experience. And so uh, it often, can be found uh, by sharing a common proclivity. And so uh, we can see, uh, I think we have some slides coming up. Proclivity, they do what I do. And so these are people who do the things that you do. They go to the same gym you go to. They uh, go to the same favorite coffee spot. Uh, These are people who do, they have the same habits that I have. And so we run into each other often and we call that our community. We build community out of that. Maybe it's at the dog park. Maybe uh, it's at, you know, the local hangout, whatever you're into, where you go watch the game, where you uh, go work out. Um, These are people that do what I do by a common proclivity. Uh, You also might find community uh, under a common preference. So they like what I like. So our common preference is is our common hobbies or our common interests. Uh, You meet somebody, you know, uh, your your kids on the same sports team, and then you find out, oh, we both like art. We're going to go to the opening of the art gallery. Oh, we're both into music. Let's go to the concert. These are uh, common interests. They like what I like. Or it might be just sheerly based on proximity. They are where I am. And so these are people that live in your neighborhood, uh, they, they work where you work, uh, their kid goes to school with yours, just by sheer proximity, you start to build relationship and community. This is a good community. And it's not wrong, it's not bad to have these, we all have these, we're friends with the people we work with, we're friends with our kids' parents, we're, well, no, your kids' parents are you, your kids' friends' parents, there you go, uh, you, you, you're friends with the people uh, that are in your general, you know, neighborhood proximity, and we have these uh, good communities, but still, if we leave it at that, that doesn't sound like what God is really promising us. It doesn't sound like the full extent of what God has for us. When we, when we look at the DNA, the communal DNA that's found in you and me, I have a hard time seeing that completely reconciled sheerly by the things we like, the habits we have, or the places that we live. It's a great starting place, and I think that that has the potential to build a good community. 
When you listen to the opening of Genesis, it sounds like God created us for more than that. I want a beautiful community. And although it might just be an adjective and a beautiful uh, in this sense, and I hope during this series that we can be people who foster beautiful uh, communities that it can uh, take on more of a life than just a word, uh, but I think that we see a, a better way. Paul introduces us to a new way. If we just look at this as our default way, Paul introduces us to a new way in Ephesians chapter 2, and you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 if you have it in front of you. But here in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to pick up in the 19th verse uh, up through the, the 22nd verse. But uh, it's really important you see in the, the first word of the entire verse is consequently. Now, that means because of what was just said, this is true. So if it starts with consequently, you know it's not the beginning of the thought. It's the conclusion of, the consequence of what I just said is this. So we'll look at the consequence, but just so you're up to speed of what happened in the first 18 verses of Ephesians 2, the first 10 verses are how we're reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. So we've been saved by grace, not through works that no one should boast. Uh, This is in the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2. And then it goes on to say that we're reconciled to one another through Christ, that we're reconciled to God through Christ. Now we're reconciled to one another. So consequently, because of that, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I think off the bat, it hits at the core of 2022 relational dysfunction. Because if you look at just the first sentence, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. And I think about, do you know 70% of all people have felt like an imposter at some point? 70% of all people have suffered uh, from what some people call imposter syndrome. They feel like they don't fit in. And how does a a foreigner or how does a stranger respond? Think about a time you felt out of place. A uh, time you were introduced to some of your friends' friends or your, uh, your, your friend's family, or maybe you were in a foreign country, maybe you were in a, a culture that wasn't your own. How do you relate when you're a stranger? Try and prove yourself that you're trustworthy. You try and uh, show that, hey, I'm, I'm cool too. I can hang with the guys. You, you try and uh, exhibit something uh, that, that says, hey, hey, I'm, I'm I'm okay, like this is a safe place. And, and that's so often how we can relate with one another in 2022, acting like we need to prove ourselves and acting like we need to make ourselves lovable and make ourselves uh, desirable. And so we find ourselves trying to pretend to be the person we think you want us to think that you want us to think that we want you to be. Like we find ourselves uh, finding ourselves in this situation where we're putting on some sort of face or, or uh, struggling with this sort of uh, immature or sorry, imposter-like uh, mentality that there's this mix of insecurity and shame that if we really showed our true selves that we'd be uh, disappointing somebody that we'd be uh, even worse rejected. But if a good community shares a common proclivity, 
a beautiful community shares a common identity. Because it says here uh, that consequently you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. And you're members of his household. A citizen with God's people, a member of his household, acts differently than a foreigner and a stranger. That a beautiful community is not defined just by your proclivity. A beautiful community is that you share a common identity. It's not just that they do what I do, it's that they are who I am. That together, we're members of God's household. Together, we're citizens with Christ's people. You know the feeling if you're at maybe a banquet or a wedding or uh, somewhere that there's name cards? You know, like you go and there's somewhere for you to sit and there's, you know, some times you go and you're like, oh, wow, they really put me at that table. Like you're the one like over by like the, the kitchen or right by the bathroom. Everyone's walking past. It's not, you know, a fun place. But like pretty much this picture that, that Paul's painting here is that you're not a stranger anymore. You're not the guy who like walked in and, and no one knows who you are. Uh, but God's prepared a place for you at the table. God's prepared a place for you to be in this beautiful community with him, in this family with him, and you act different when you realize that that's true. Any psychologist will tell you that you relate better with others when you understand yourself. And when you realize your identity in Christ, it changes the way you relate with others. That this beautiful community is no longer shared just by us liking the same thing. It's not that we just like going to church or we just like reading the Bible. No, we're citizens with God. We've been brought into a new identity through Christ, and that makes things different. It's not uh, built on insecurity or imposter syndrome. It's built on the fact that we were chosen before the creation of the earth. It's built on the fact that we're loved and valued by God. We're members of his household. And that even if somebody offered me nothing, Jesus has given me everything. That I'm no longer relating with people, trying to get approval from them, trying to get some sense of uh, accolade or recognition from them. I'm, I'm here to, to bring belonging, not to receive belonging. That a beautiful community is one that, that invites people in, that now I'm here not to get anything from you, but to offer you something better. And when you start to realize your identity in Christ and find others who are doing uh, the same, then it's no longer those people, it's your people. You find your people. Jesus has not just given us a common proclivity, but a common identity. He goes on not just to say that you're fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, but it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone, if that, you know, that's not a super, unless you're a, a mason or you work with bricks, it's not a super common thing that we see. Maybe you've seen a church called out, you heard a Christian say cornerstone one time, you heard the song cornerstone, you're like, yes, whatever that is, I am down, a cornerstone. Like, what, what, maybe you're not a mason and you're like, what the heck is that? A cornerstone is this, it's the first set in the construction of a masonry foundation. As the first stone laid, it becomes the reference point 
for all other stones laid after that. Everything finds its definition in this one place, the cornerstone. As that first stone provides the very definition and basis of what is right and wrong, what is true and false, so Jesus defines our reality. So good community shares a common preference. A beautiful community shares a common reality. That it's not just about liking what I like, but you see the world how I see. And I don't mean that we agree on everything. I don't mean that we're just robots or, or like I believe in unity over uniformity. I'm not saying that we all just have this exact same worldview, but we see through the same lens, that we see how each other sees. And we all have a cornerstone. Whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, go through the list wherever you land on the spectrum. We all have something that we base our reality off of, a set of guiding principles, something that, uh, where we uh, order our lives, make decisions and let us make sense of the world. But as Christians, God offers us something better than good. He offers us something beautiful. That it's no longer just about finding a good idea, but we found the idea, the cornerstone, that when we shape our lives around him, when we build upon the chief cornerstone, God doesn't just offer us human flourishing, but he offers us a relationship with the living God, that he's created a life for us, that when we put Jesus at the center, we build around him, we live a life of purpose, of meaning, and of destiny, that we have something better for us, a beautiful community available to us when we share the same reality. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because I see, uh, by it, I see everything else. Not just because I see it, because I do, but by it, I see everything else. When Christ is the cornerstone in your life, he's now the filter at which you evaluate what's right and wrong. It's the filter that now you make decisions. The WWJD is more than a bracelet. You're saying, God, how would you handle this situation? God, what do you want me to do? God, uh, what's the best way for me to move forward? What should I prioritize? How should I live? Who should I have relationship with? Who should I surround myself with? What should I do? When we're building our life on the cornerstone of Jesus, we find ourselves because the crazy thing about like being a brick in this case is you're very likely to find yourself with other bricks like I mean if, if there's someone building something it's pretty rare that you just see I'm just saying it, it, like when you find yourself in the hands of Jesus building on the chief cornerstone of Christ beautiful community is destined to follow. And when we have that, when we have that similar worldview, the same worldview that Christ is the goal, he's the reality, he's the future, then we can build each other up to something. It's not just fuzzy feelings and good ideas. That we can build one another up, that we can encourage one another, that we can build each other's faith, that we can pull each other uh, towards each other's callings, that apprentices of Jesus as apprentices of Jesus, we can grow together. And that brings us to this final point that he says that we're fellow citizens with God, we're members of his household. 
that uh, we have uh, the chief cornerstone of Jesus, and it says in verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I love words like this. He says, you two are being built. You're becoming a dwelling place. I love, I have not became, I am becoming. Like when you look at your life, you go, man, that's a pretty crummy example of a Christian. That's okay. Because it's not that you became, you are becoming. Like if you ever watch any HGTV show, at one point, if you look at Chip and Joanna redoing that house, whatever it is, at one point it looks like a wreck. They, they have to demolish stuff. You look, if you walked in on demo day, you're like, man, this place is a wreck. But if you walk in a couple days later, you go, no, it's not a wreck, it's a renovation. That we're not, it's not that we became, we're, we're becoming, we're in this process. And so a beautiful community shares more than just a, a proximity. It shares a common trajectory, that we're going the same direction. That it's not just that they are where I am, it's that they're going where I'm going. That together we are being built, we are becoming a dwelling place uh, for God. That it's not, uh, like when you read this, it's so easy, like we're, we're living in America and we're with a Western mentality, we go, man, this is God's love letter to just me and this is just me, God's building me into a dwelling place. But if you look at Ephesians, it's written to the church in Ephesus to be circulated around other churches in Ephesus. He's not saying you are being built, he's saying y'all are being built. He's saying, all of you are being built. We went to, uh, a few years ago, Rachel, my wife, and um, myself, this is before we had kids, we went to uh, France. That was just one of our kind of goals before we had kids. Uh, And so we went to France, and uh, if you've uh, never been, I'm sure you've heard of the Notre Dame Cathedral. We got to um, you know, see it, and this is before the fire in uh, 2019 happened, so we saw it. Uh, and you, this does not do justice to just how massive this building is. And it, this is from kind of the side. The front is uh, over here in the, uh, you know, this is side, front. So when you look you know, from the front, it, it's just massive. And it's beautiful. It's ornate. It took over a hundred years to build this beautiful architecture display of God's glory. And I will tell you what I bet no one has ever said. Going up to this immaculate presentation of architecture, they probably did not go up and say, man, that's a beautiful brick. Man, look at that brick. You know, three up, two to the right. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Probably didn't. Why? Because it's, it's more than just about the brick. That if it was just a brick, I mean, you could go get that at Home Depot. You could go get that at Lowe's. You could probably find that uh, on the side of the road. It, it's, it's just a brick. It's not much of anything. But when I show up with my brick and you show up with your brick, and you show up with your brick, and your brick, and your brick, God starts to put together something more than good. He makes something beautiful. That we start 
to come, and it's not just that I'm becoming, it's that we're becoming more like Jesus when we do life together pointed towards Jesus, that we become a beautiful community, not by common proximity or how close we live to each other, but by a common trajectory that we're going the same way, that we're becoming more like Christ, that community is part of our spiritual uh, formation, that we become more like Jesus when we do life together. We become more like Jesus when we live in community. We were created as communal beings by a communal God to live together. We are being built. It's not just that they are where we are. It's that they're going where we're going. And before this turns into three steps to communal success, and we go, man, we walk away, we had the cute little graphic, and we said, okay, they all kind of ended the it sounds, like identity, the community, all of those, and we just feel, man, I got the three steps to winning. And Ron, let's just put that back uh, up on the, the thing, those, uh, those six things. Before we walk away and just go, man, those are just some really cute things, and if I just do these three and these three, I'll have a pretty good shot. I think that we would have missed it. I think we would sort of miss the point if this was something that that we could just implement and then we just have this beautiful community, ABC, what a great Wednesday night. Because we have to realize we have the power to build a good community but only God can build a beautiful community. If we go back to that scripture and just highlight a few different verses this time, it says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is uh, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together uh, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Only Jesus can build a beautiful community and all we can do is build our lives around him that this isn't something that we can do ABC, check the boxes, just add water and we got it. That uh, our role in this equation is, is not uh, just to do this stuff, but to build our lives around the chief cornerstone, knowing that when we hold fast to Christ is our identity and Christ is our reality and Christ is our trajectory, beautiful community is sure to follow. When we say Jesus, You're the past, Jesus, you're the present. Jesus, you're the future. That God, wherever you go is where I'm gonna go. God, whatever you say to do is what I'm gonna do. When we start building our lives around the builder of community, we start finding ourselves where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there, because he's faithful. He's faithful to put the lonely in families. He's faithful to put brother next to brother. He's faithful to have a seat and to give you a seat at the table with other people that God brings us into beautiful community because we're not just hardwired for any type of community. We're people that are supposed to be bringers of beautiful community. So where is God calling you to bring community in your life? Because I want 
maybe this is just selfish. I want this. I want beautiful community in my family. I want beautiful community in my workplace. I want beautiful community in my friendships. I want beautiful community in my neighborhood. I want to go places and know people and go deep and and share goals and share a common identity, trajectory, reality. I want these things. But where is God calling you to bring that in your life tonight? Is it at home? Is it at work? Is it in the, the PTA that you're a part of? Is it on your sports team? Is it, uh, where is it in your life that you're called to bring a beautiful community? Because it's only through Christ, but he gives us these examples that when you wanna build community, all you have to do is help people find their identity in Christ help people reorient their reality to be uh, built on the cornerstone of Jesus, help people to discover their God-given purpose and their trajectory, and all of a sudden you start seeing God build something beautiful around you, that your family starts to look more like his family, that your workplace starts to look more like his kingdom, that you can start saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want that beautiful community in my family. I want it in my workplace. I want it in my church. I want to be a church where we just can look at each other, carry one another's burdens, that we can be vulnerable and unashamed. This can be a place that we feel comfortable to share uh, each other's highest, uh, the life's highest joys and heaviest burdens. The beautiful community of God is an open invite to anyone who would say yes. Let's be people who bring beautiful community, not that look for things, not that look for approval, look for accolades, look for recognition, but people who bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, bringers of beautiful community to God's earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we, and we thank you first that, that we're not foreigners anymore, God. We're not strangers in your household, but you've made us members of your family. God, that we now can commune with you before we commune with anybody else. God, you've made us right with you. And Lord, we thank you for that. God, we walk away different when we realize that our identity is in you. God, we walk away different when we realize our reality is shaped around you, God. And we walk away different when we realize our trajectory is found in you, God, that you have a call and a purpose and a plan for our life. God, and we say now, Lord, help us be people of the beautiful community. God, help us be people that operate out of that. God, we don't want to settle for good. God, give us beautiful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.